You are listening to DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family. I'm Edward Looney, and I am very grateful to everyone who reaches out and says that they are interested in sharing their own story through these autosomal DNA test kits and how they found family, the response of those individuals, how they were received and such. And if you would like to share your story on this podcast, DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family, you can head on over to dnadiscoveries.fireside.fm and you can use the contact form there to contact me. Share a little bit of your story and I'll reach out. Or you can email me at dnadiscoveriespodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode, I speak with Robert and he shares a pretty amazing and crazy story. And I'm very excited to share it. And I'm able to do so because he sent me an email. So now, stay tuned for Robert's story. Today on DNA Discoveries, I'm very excited to be speaking with another listener of the podcast, someone who, again, uh, found my email, reached out to me, wanted to share his story, and his initial message said, I love your podcasts. I've heard every episode. They have been very therapeutic for me as I, like some of your guests, struggled with my feelings about my experience. Imagine you never knew your biological dad, so your two sons give you a DNA test kit. And the story goes on, and we're going to hear that story, but that's really how Robert reached out to me and said, I want to share my story with your audience because I've benefited from listening to others. So thanks so much, Robert, for joining me today. Uh, thank you for having me, Edward. I'm excited. Yeah, and interesting thing. So this is kind of like behind the scenes stuff. So this interview will release here in the near future. But uh, we've scheduled probably three or four different times to do this interview. And I've just been sick a lot, whatever, this past season. And uh, in fact, uh, a few weeks ago, I had COVID. And so I'm like, I think we have to push it off because otherwise we could do Zoom and I would just have to mute myself in case I cough or whatever. But uh, here we are. I'm in good health now, back from travels and happy uh, to have this conversation because uh, I think it's powerful when people share their stories and everybody's story is so unique. So if people have listened to the previous episodes, those stories are very unique. And this one is unique as well. It's different than all the rest. Uh, probably a new angle of storytelling uh, that hasn't been featured yet, I don't think, on this podcast. So um, yeah, so maybe just to paint the picture here a little bit, just give a little background maybe of who your mother is. You don't have to, of course, give uh, full names or anything like that, but just paint a picture of your family of origin uh, for all of us, maybe just so that we can situate everything within that context. Sure. So I was born in Los Angeles, California. My uh, mother uh, was uh, married at the time, at least at the time, that was uh, my understanding. And two years after I was born, I was born in 62, she gave birth to my sister. And not much longer after that, moved from Los Angeles and ended up meeting my stepfather. He was in the military, stationed in Fort Knox, Kentucky. And he had uh, several sons and daughters. He had four sons and one daughter. Three sons and one daughter. That's right. There were four of them. 
And so we kind of became a, a Brady Bunch type where <clears throat> they married. Uh, my mother had me and my sister, and then they had a child together, my half-sister. And we grew up in military. My mother's from Germany, and my father, stepfather, shortly after they got married, about a year, transferred to Germany, and we lived there for three years. So uh, that uh, kind of was the, the way things got started. And I, uh, my father, stepfather, eventually came back to the United States, to Augusta, Georgia, and then to the area that I live in now, which is just south of Atlanta. He was from Cedartown, Georgia, originally. So my mother was from Germany, and my stepfather was Cedartown, Georgia. And that kind of plays a part later on in the story as I start discovering my uh, DNA and other relatives. Well, let me tell you, I spend a lot of time in the Atlanta airport, so I'm very familiar, at least with the airport uh, there in that town. But you mentioned your mother, that she was married and then um, moved, and so then a stepfather enters into the story. So did she divorce from the man that she was married to? It's my understanding that she just left. Okay. And my mother was, was, what was very interesting about my mother is she came from Germany. She was born in 1932 and she was sponsored by my great aunt, her aunt to come to New York city. And of course, when you immigrated, you had to have a job. So she ended up getting a job with the famous writer, Sidney Sheldon. And shortly after she moved to New York or came to New York, he uh, transferred to Los Angeles and she went with him. And she ended up being the governess to his daughter and his adopted son, which history proves that his adopted son was only with him a short time because the birth mother chose to uh, keep the son after a period of, uh, I think, six months she reclaimed her son. You use the description that he's a famous writer. And so that means I might be a little ignorant because I haven't read anything by Sidney Sheldon, but that's the invitation for me to maybe go over to Amazon, see some of his titles, see if anything interests me, and maybe I'll uh, come to know who Sidney Sheldon is. So uh, there's an individual, uh, Frank, and that was the man who was identified as your father then on your birth certificate, the father also of Heidi, I believe. Um, so uh, were they married or what was their relationship? So it's my understanding that they were married. Uh, certainly his name is on my and my uh, sister's birth certificates. But uh as I, as I kind of talked about before we got started, there's been some speculation maybe they were not married. The names were different. My mother's maiden name was on the birth certificate, and his name was on the birth certificates as well for both myself and my sister. Yeah, and we're going to circle back to this because there's a theory about Frank and his last name and maybe his identity and maybe Frank really is your father, but he changed his name. And we'll share that story here in a little bit. So that's kind of like the teaser, I guess you could say. So what 
what starts your curiosity or interest in wanting to learn more about your father? Because I think Frank was kind of this mysterious figure. You didn't really know him that much. Maybe you've only heard stories your mother told him. So there was this curiosity, I would think, on your part to say, I want to know more about who he is. And that led you to do some research. So what was that process? What did you do to find out more information about him? Yes. Yeah, so when I was growing up, I was perfectly happy in the world that I was in. My mother especially was very protective, and I had that sense of security throughout my childhood. I always did wonder who my father was. I knew from early age, say six or seven years old, that I did have a father that she had left and went uh, on to marry my stepfather, who as I've heard other people on your podcast say, he was pretty much my father growing up. And, uh, but my mother had a newspaper clipping that she would show us showing that she was getting married. So this was in 1962. And the, the article was from January of 1962. I had not been born yet. I was born the following June. And it said that the, um, the, the, the um, Rosemary my, is my mother, and uh, she was the governess of Sidney Sheldon and was about to marry the chauffeur of Desi Arnaz. So it was a society page uh, article, and she had this article and showed it to us. So that was you know, proof that, hey, you have a father. This was his background. The name was still Frank Doherty, of course. So there was curiosity with that. So you fast forward to when we were adults, my sister decided to go to California, her and her husband at the time, and try to research Frank Doherty to see who he was and didn't come up with anything. Yeah, that's super so, interesting. So like that research, I don't know what they were doing, but I bet they're trying to go through different newspapers, trying to find maybe obituaries, family relations, because, you know, Frank probably would have shown up in the obituary of somebody you would think so. And that's where Ancestry, that website is helpful, because sometimes they'll send you hits like, oh, you have a new family hit. So if you put Frank on your tree, then you might get some hints or whatever. So, so they do this research and, and really they yield no results. Correct. They, they come back empty handed. And at that point, we kind of left it at that. This was before DNA was available like it is today. So when DNA became available, my oldest son, Jonathan, gave me a kit and that was uh the ancestry.com uh, their their dna kit and i went ahead and did the test and it came back and the only thing i really discovered at that time was one cousin and so i i sent messages to the cousin multiple times and really came up with nothing. And that was in 2017. So uh, from the time my sister had done her exploring to see who our father was until I did mine was probably 20 or so years difference. Wow. And, and so that cousin that you connected with or that was linked to you, 
you reach out. And was there any response on her end? No. I had multiple times sent messages and I never got a response. The last message I sent was after I discovered the family. So uh, that that was something that at the time I just felt like, I guess some people don't think it's as important or they're very busy. That's okay. But that's as far as I got with Ancestry at that time. So as a cousin then, and you write back to her after you are able to make these identifications and such, did she fit into the puzzle of what you thought you unearthed through the Ancestry DNA as you found these other siblings? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Matter of fact, I've, I have now met her brother. So <laughs> I still haven't met her yet, but uh, we're actually Facebook friends. But uh, it just at that time, you know, when you go, when you do a timeline and you, you start to feel like you're going, you're so close to finding a family member and then nothing, uh, it gets a, a little, I got impatient. So then you had done the ancestry DNA test kit. We also refer to them just generally as autosomal DNA test kits. And so, but there's other varieties out there, and you're given now another version of it, 23andMe. And that one yeah. yields some results and gives some promise of identifying some information. Yes. So that one is the most exciting of all. When my younger son, Nolan, gave me a kit for 23andMe, I took the test. My wife and I were on a cruise. And while we were on this cruise, we met a girl who was talking to us, asking us where we were from. And I said, well, I'm from near Atlanta. She said, oh, well, I've got a sister in Atlanta that I've never met. And I said, oh, really? So we got to talking and it turned out that her father had been a sperm donor and she had 20 plus siblings that a lot of them had not met before. They got together, started talking, started sharing evidence, and discovered who their father was that way. And I was just, wow, this is amazing. I had not even thought about my test that much. And then we got off the cruise, and at that time, it 23andMe results came back and said that I had a sister, a half-sister. So that was in... December of 2019, and I sent her a message right away. I said, hey, we're, we're siblings. She had not responded until March, and we talked. We had a good time, you know, talking about how <clears throat> you're, my, you're my big sister, you're my little brother, and all of that. And at that time, uh, that was pretty much it. I, I did, in the meantime, get a result from Ancestry, that was a strong result, a close, I think they call them close family, but I didn't understand DNA percentages. It turned out she had like 26, 27% DNA, and I didn't make the connection. I had messaged her and she replied right away. And I told her, um, my father was Frank Doherty. She said, she doesn't recognize the name and we left it at that. I think this is a moment for a good reminder 
we have these accounts on these different websites, Ancestry DNA, 23andMe, MyHeritage, whatever ones you've used, and sometimes they are dormant, but there are people out there who are doing these test kits. They get this earth-shattering news, and we probably don't log into those accounts all that often, and if you didn't sign up for notifications or alerts, you could have a message waiting in your inbox so I think it's a good encouragement to people, maybe every now and again, maybe when you listen to this podcast, a good reminder just to go over to those websites, check your inbox, see if you have any newfound family uh, that has come across your way. We know that these test kits, these autosomal kits are given as Christmas gifts. Uh, we're recording right before St. Patrick's Day, so I would imagine St. Patrick's Day is a time when they're uh, really being sold and bought and people are taking them to see if they have any Irish in them. So just go over and don't leave people hanging uh, as they're waiting to identify you. Of course, people, if they can find the name of the person through Ancestry DNA or MyHeritage, whatever website, well, then they can go over to Facebook, maybe put in that name, see if they can find them or whatever. So there are other means by which people will discover each other and reach out. But, but uh, I think that we don't want to keep people waiting. Now, you find out then uh, that you have this sister in December, January, and then in, in March, she responds. Was she open to this? Was this something that she thought was far, far that was pretty far from the truth? Or what was her receptivity to this news? No, I believe uh, she was very receptive to it. Uh, you know, she had done the, she had put her stuff on the DNA site and so she would obviously expect that something may come back. She was adopted and at the time did not know, or when she was adopted, she was um, didn't have either her mother or father. So unlike me and my mother, you know, took us from the marriage and then moved on and married again. Uh, she was adopted to another set of parents. I see. So then... As this all unfolds, what else do you find throughout it all? So, so we talk, and then in the meantime, uh, as I mentioned, I had the sister that was on Ancestry, didn't understand, didn't know the name Doherty. I didn't understand the strong, uh, close relative connection because I, I just, to your point about going back and checking messages and things like that, I'm also not the most organized. So <laughs> if I if I had been taking notes and, and kept something close to me with lists of different things, clues and that kind of stuff, like I know to do now, I would have uh, figured out that the sister in, on Ancestry or the person on Ancestry actually was a sister and pursued that more. But it wasn't until the first, my first sister, uh, the, the one that I discovered right off of the cruise, uh, her and I started talking to somebody that was a common cousin. And that cousin, as we're talking to her, said, well, you know, I had a, a uncle, Robert, who uh, went to California during that time to pursue an acting career. And I thought, wow, Robert, that's, that's pretty interesting. 
Because your so, name's Robert, first of all, so that's interesting. And then there's this yes. L.A. connection, and that's where your family history begins. Yes. So we keep talking, and I mentioned that I had another match on Ancestry, and I wanted to look at it again. And by the way, uh, the cousin's last name was Kaufman. At that time, that name knew meant nothing to any of us. So I go back. And I look at the sister, half-sister on Ancestry, and she had written in one of her messages that she had saw a piece of paper with her father's name, R. Kaufman. Wow. And that just blew our minds. We realized we had another sister, and we've probably found our biological dad. As my older sister said, I made a note to say this, as, as we're having the conversation, my older sister says, well, that settles it for me. So she knew she had found her biological dad. So you have another sister and the sister that you were raised with that you knew. What's her uh, view on all of this? Was she as interested in connecting with these people? Does she believe their relative connection or is is this maybe something she's dismissed or doesn't want to be a part of? No, I think uh, she's interested in it. She just hasn't really been engaged with the sisters like I have been because, uh, uh, you know, the three of us, we all have our, oh my goodness, four of us. Between the four of us, we have our own chats and all of that stuff. And, and we make plans with each other, so uh, which I'll talk more about. But uh, yeah, she she hasn't really she hasn't really been engaged in it that much. Now, has really. the sister that you grew up with has she done any DNA test kits? Uh, no, she has not. Do you think she'll ever do them or no? Uh, she's kind of hinted that she does not want to do one, but um, you know, I think that's still kind of in the open. Sure, she could change her mind. It's not like you're going to give right. her one for Christmas to see if she can confirm everything by her contribution to the system or anything like that. So, all right. And uh, everybody is pretty open to all of this uh, that you are talking about. In fact, you're going to be getting together with them. You've been corresponding with them all and such. But I I'm curious, before maybe we talk about some of the ongoing relationship now, uh, I'm curious as to, you know, so you have Frank Doherty, that's the name of your father. It's on your birth certificate. I mentioned before the show that I wondered, you know, like, do parents have to furnish their ID card? Or can you just say, my dad is so-and-so, and that's who they put on, or the father of this child is so-and-so, and that's who they put on the birth certificate. So you have the name Frank Doherty, but Frank Doherty could be this Robert that you referenced, Robert uh, Kaufman who went to L.A. and who may have changed his name. So Frank really could be Robert then. What's your take? What's everybody's take on that scenario? Are there other scenarios out there? Well, so <clears throat> finding out that uh, our, our cousin said she had an uncle named Robert, then after we discovered the sister from Ancestry DNA, we found out that he had two kids himself that he raised. So Robert Kaufman had two kids. Now his son had passed away as did Robert Kaufman, but he, his daughter 
uh, was we were able to get in touch with her quickly and uh, was, of course, this was probably the initial shock with the family as she discovers this and starts talking about it to her mom and to her relatives there. And um, so that becomes the, the, the big piece that once we find her, we also find the Kaufman side of the family and the relatives. So Frank Doherty becomes a myth at this point. We're, we're thinking, okay, I, I, we, we're pretty sure. And, and then the, the, the third sister I mentioned, she also does DNA tests. The family starts doing DNA tests. Man, they're just like, hey, I, this is amazing. Let's, let's do some tests. So several other family members uh, take tests. And the, the, the third sister, so she's, she's actually the, in line with me, she's younger than me but she's not the youngest, but she uh, arranges for us to meet family in the town that they live in, which was Austin, Texas. And so my wife and I, my son, we all get together and go to Austin, Texas, just for this event. And it's just remarkable how the family was, by then they had heard the story, uh, they had went through you know, whatever emotions took place, knowing that uh, their relative actually had three other uh, 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 three, three other children. And so we all get together and it's just, it's great. I mean, we laughed. I remember the day so well, it was pouring down rain, but everybody was inside in this big restaurant and we we're just all talking family. And I, I don't know, I always think about this, and, and I say this in the most loving way. In the movie, The Elephant Man, when uh, John Merrick is being presented at the very beginning of the movie to a group of scientists, he's obviously deformed, and he's just standing, and all these scientists are looking at him, and they ask him to turn him around, and they look at him, and they're you know giving their opinions on what, what he is. And, and I, I just felt like the family was all looking at me from all angles to check out, do I look like him? Oh yeah, I see it in the eyes, that sort of thing. So it was so funny to me. I just had that thought as we were there and, and I start noticing I'm getting stared at quite a bit. I'm assuming that for you, it's not a surprise that your father would have went on and had other children because you become familiar with your stepfather. But for your siblings, as you mentioned, kind of for them, it's maybe a surprise because they know their father, but they didn't know that there was a history previous uh, to their father's relationship, etc. So, yeah, it's all a, a very interesting situation, I suppose. Now, there's one person who maybe could confirm all of this, your mother. Uh, she could tell you, well, you know, Frank actually is Robert, and Robert wanted to name you Robert because he wanted to name you after him. And have you talked to your mom about all of this? Has she given any indication uh, about the veracity of what you've discovered? Uh, yes, we've talked, and she she has faded memories of, of things. So I did show her pictures because now I have a, 
uh, a sister who has access to photographs and uh, uh, certainly his widow had pictures that she has sent me and, and recordings of him singing and things like that. And we, uh, 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 I showed her the pictures and a lot of them, she would just say, no, he never wore a mustache. Well, okay, well, this is, you know, 20, 30 years past when you knew him. So <laughs> he did wear a mustache then. And so we would cover part of the face and, then she kind of nodded, yeah, that, that, that does look like him. But uh, we don't get a lot of information about uh, that. There's just not a whole lot that she gives out. And I've heard other people talk about this on your other podcast. Uh, there's a lot of things she felt like didn't need to be talked about. And so she's kind of kept some of this inside to herself. Sure. Yeah. It's kind of like bringing back the past and maybe she's moved on from that. That's why she formed a new relationship. That's why she married your stepfather and such. So, so I guess you yes, can exactly. understand her perspective there. And, uh, um, and, and so you respect that. Uh, what are your plans now? So you've connected with all these siblings and relatives and whatnot, uh, what are your plans going forward for ongoing family relationship? Well, I mentioned earlier, we do all have a <clears throat> chat that our oldest sister created for us to uh, communicate. And, uh, you know, everybody's busy. So we've tried to get together on occasion and, and it didn't happen. Uh, I mentioned before I went to Austin to visit uh uh, the sister that's young, just younger than I am, and got to meet the family. Got to go to the graveside of my dad, which was a huge deal. My, my, we learned through our chats and doing meetings online together, where we could see each other's faces. That there's a lot of things we all have in common. One of the biggest, craziest parts of this is that my. Uh, uh, Robert Kaufman, who went by Bobby, uh, he was a, he owned a karaoke business and he loved to sing karaoke. And I am known, Edward, far and wide in the South Atlanta area as a karaoke guy. I've done this for many years. And just to know that he did that, uh, just, Everybody was amazed. And, of course, the fact that his name was Robert, my half-brother that uh, I mentioned before was raised by him and has since passed on, He, his middle name was Robert. So when I asked my mother, do you know why my name is Robert? She didn't have an answer. Hmm. So it kind of adds to that mystery. Sure. So, so we've yeah so so we've talked about uh and as a matter of fact when we went to austin we tried to go out for karaoke that night but my plane was late so we ended up going somewhere that was like midnight and nobody felt like staying up so we just left but uh i i have even done a a duet with my father because my uh, uh his widow gave me several recordings of his and one of the songs he did was my way the Frank Sinatra song, and uh, it was it was so great because I had sung my way on a cruise ship. Uh, I had won a contest and got to sing it in front of a big auditorium of people, and then to hear him singing it was a connection. 
And then I decided to take that recording and turn it into a duet between the two of us. And that was a big thrill. I was able to kind of have it at least hear it on audio that I'm singing with my dad. Wow. Yeah. I had a lot lot of fun with that. That's incredible. And uh, what a gift. And, you know, you see these connections all the time, whether it's people saying they have the same mannerisms as their siblings or, um, you know, hear your story. Like, uh, I, I love karaoke. Someone else in my family loves karaoke. They sang, my father sang my way and I have a recording of it and I've sung my way and kind of you're drawn to that song and you don't know why. But there's something innate, in a sense, uh, something, I guess you could say, in your DNA that has drawn you to that song, and, and now you have that special connection. I'm curious, too, because I am a man of religion. That's what I do for a living. Uh, that's that's my primary work. Uh, everything else is kind of ancillary uh, hobby work. So this podcast, DNA Discoveries, is, I call it my hobby, uh, my hobby podcast. So I'm curious, you go to the grave, as you mentioned, and uh, it was a moving experience. What does a person do at the grave? Do you, do you share some memories and leave them there in a sense? Or um, what did you do? What was that feeling emotion as you were there? Uh, it it was emotional. I'm a little choked up thinking about it now, but uh, it was it was special that I had a sister I previously never knew, who was raised by him, who was also there, and his uh, his widow was also there with us. So they they brought us, and uh, uh, you know we just spent time in silence, just uh, looking over not just his gravesite but the gravesite of other other family members. And that that's to be continued, too, because another interesting fact about this story is, as I've said now, I started out in California. I was in Kentucky. I was in Germany. And then we settled here in Georgia. As I have done our family tree, and keep in mind, I am not a family tree person at all. I am now, but I had no interest in family trees until this all happened. And, and that thing I said earlier about making sure you keep notes, you go back to notes and all of a sudden something that you just wrote and forgot about becomes a big piece of information. My, the family, the Kaufman family, actually started out as far back as I can find in the, on the East Coast. And a lot of them, my third grandfather's buried in extreme North Georgia. I've lived my entire adult life in the Atlanta area and never knew that my third grandfather is buried in extreme North Georgia. So they're, they're all in the Southern part of Tennessee that borders Georgia. And that's going to be another trip and hoping to get at least one of the sisters has expressed an interest in going with me to uh, kind of go through some of the grave sites there as well, because they, don't know about some of them don't know about that as well. Wow. One of the things you mentioned there was that the widow went with you to the grave. How has she received all of this, you know, kind of learning about uh, her husband's past? We had a great long conversation and she was at first, she didn't know how to take it. I, I think 
in the world today, you know, we don't trust things, especially uh, things that are on the internet, people pretending to be others, emails that say we can get things for free. And she said, I, I began to understand it, accept it. She had no knowledge of it. And uh, her and her daughter, very close. And we, we were all together. The whole time I was in Austin, Texas, it was all of us together most of the time. Me and my sister and her mother uh, and my wife and my son also. And uh, that was just really sweet. So she's, she's, I think she's accepted it. And uh, she's one of the family that has just welcomed me and would welcome me anytime. Well, that's wonderful to hear. And because, again, it can be very jarring. It can be shocking. And uh, so it's great that she's embraced it and welcomed and that you've been able to uh, spend some time and get to know her because obviously she was a very important person uh, to who your father was. Yes. If you had to give advice to someone who's out there, I think a lot of people are curious about their family history. So maybe they're in their in a similar spot. They're like, I don't really know anything about my father. And uh, they're thinking, I want to, maybe I should do this DNA autosomal test kit stuff. What's your recommendation or what's your advice to them, to the person who's kind of on the, kind of on the edge of whether or not they should do it? Well, my experience was totally unexpected. And I could not have learned as much as I did because the sister that I found on Ancestry was not related. She was also adopted from uh, uh, two, two, of, uh, two parents that, that, need, that, that adopted her. And so we, we wouldn't have found her if I had not had both Ancestry and 23andMe. And there are other DNA sites out there as well. Uh, that I plan to pursue in the future. There are some that you can upload so I can take my DNA results and upload them to another site. And then I understand there's a lot of people who have found family members through that process. I obviously now am very excited about it and want to do it. I would tell people to just get started with one of them. Maybe don't be surprised if things happen unexpectedly. It is really cool to know where you're from, and a lot of people do it for that reason. But you are also going to find matches of people who share DNA with you, and there may be a lot of DNA, and you may find out something that is totally unexpected. So just be prepared for it and take notes. When you message people, Make a note of it, put it somewhere, maybe where you can get it again and review them from time to time. It was a long process for me. It started in 2017, but uh, here I am today and I'm still looking for clues for other things that might be answered. Wow. Yeah, that's wonderful advice. I Definitely appreciate that. And, you know, for me, I've actually only done one of the test kits. So I haven't done a, a different version. So kind of you saying that uh, kind of maybe encourages me to want to try another one 
just to see what happens. Maybe there's more information out there uh, that I could glean. Um, I'm not. I, I'm not sure there is just from what I know of the story, but I guess there's always a surprise that can come along the way uh, when you're doing these types of things. Sure, sure, and I have I have my two sons to thank for giving me the complete picture of my father's side of the family. Well, this has been a very wonderful conversation, and I know you're going to be meeting uh, your sisters. You're going to be having a little gathering here later this month, and uh, I'm hoping that maybe we can connect again and just share a little update based upon that and uh, to see how that went and and everything like that. And, you know, maybe one of your sisters would even be interested in sharing her perspective of all this, and we could tag that on too. You never know. Oh, absolutely. As I had said earlier, it took a long time for us to find a date that we could all meet together. And I believe that's going to be happening in the very near future. And I'm so excited. Well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you, Robert, for reaching out to me, for sending that email, for sharing your story and uh, for joining me today, uh, because this is truly a story of finding family that we have shared today on DNA Discoveries. Oh, thank you so much for letting me tell my story. I bore a lot of people who, when they bring it up, I just can't stop talking about it. So I appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> I appreciate you having this uh, avenue for me to be able to express all of this. Maybe I'll start sanding out these recordings. And definitely there are more people that are interested in sharing their stories. So hopefully uh, I will send them your way as well. Yeah, I love that. These stories to me are never a bore. And uh, I hope that those who tune in uh, month after month, episode after episode, that they feel the same. So thanks so much, uh, Robert. Indeed, my pleasure. You have been listening to DNA Discoveries, Stories of Finding Family. I hope that you enjoyed today's story from Robert. And if you did, and you know someone who might be in a similar situation, they're looking for family, they've found family, I encourage you to share this podcast with them so that they might hear other stories that might resonate with them or encourage them in their search. Also, if you don't mind, please rate and review this podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts. And you can follow this podcast on Facebook. And if you have your story, I can only tell stories because people reach out. Please send me an email at dnadiscoveriespodcast at gmail.com or go to dnadiscoveries.fireside.fm and use the contact form. I'll be with you again next month to share another DNA discovery, another story of finding family. Mm-hmm.